Today's daf is part two of Kuf Yud Gimel. We're going to start 20 lines from the top of Kuf Yud Gimel, Amad Aleph. Amar of Yehuda, We don't write summons, not for the month of Nisan, not for the month of Tishrei. Rashi says that in Nisan they harvested the grain, and in, uh, in, in, in Tishrei they picked the grapes, which means people were very busy during those days. To so make summons on times where people are very busy, you're just asking for problems, people aren't going to be able to show up during those dates. And Lovimali Yomatava, also Erev Yontiv, not a good time for a summons. But Lovimali Shabbat, not on Erev Shabbat, not a good time for a summons. Abal, but what you could do, Minisan Labasa Yaminisan, you can write the summons in Nisan for after Nisan. The Yom Tishrei and for Tishrei Lebasa Tishrei for after Tishrei Kabainon we can we can set the date for after. Mimale Shabbos Lebasa Mimale Shabbos However, for erev Shabbos till after Shabbos, meaning summon the guy on Friday for a Monday court date, that we don't do. Why? My time. What's the reason? Because the avidate the Shabbos His focus is on Shabbos, and the chances are that from from that Friday until that Monday, he will not have the focus, and he will forget and show up. To write it in Nissan until the next Nissan. There's a concept. Long term memory is easier than a short term memory. So therefore, there's days in between. He'll remember and he'll come. But when you're not allowing enough gap in between, and his primary focus is going to be the Shabbos, chances are he's going to forget that date for Monday and not show up. This used to be a, a, the, the cops pull the scam all the time, right? They create a certain thing that they, they try to get everyone together, right? They give out prizes or whatever it is, you know, everyone comes, they, they, they arrest them. But this is like, on the Yamakala was every Shabbos, there used to be a shear, like the drosha. And everyone used to gather away for the drosha. So he says what the base did and all how to do is wait for everyone to get to the drosha and then walk over in the drosha and hand out summons. You can't <clears> do that. Why? Why is that? It, 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 it'll, it'll make them not want to come to work. They want to come next Shabbos. No, no one's going to want to come to the, <laughs> the Shear anymore because if the Shear is the place where you get set to summons, then they're not going to want to come for it. So therefore, that you cannot do. Says more. But the Bnei Rigla, Rigla, similar. The Bnei Rigla was 30 days before Yom Tov. There also used to be a big Shear to go over the Halachas of Yom Tov. Same thing. Can't use that as the time to gather everyone together and start issuing out summons or court 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 uh, uh, court documentation. Now Kiyavu Oslika made Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman was the, the chief dying in 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 Pompadis and Bava. What's that was in Shabbos? Yeah. It's a mukta, no? I don't think the Yimutsu was an issue, and they prepared it before Shabbos, let's say. But anyway, the point is like this, is that uh, Rav Nachman was the, the Dayan in, 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 in Bovo. And what the plaintiffs used to say, you know, at, when, at, uh, during the regal, when, when everyone would come together, you should now hop, they used to go, there, he's there, there, go get him, go, you know, <coughs> go, go and get him. So Amaluhu, he said, He said, What do you think? I gathered everyone around to help you? I didn't gather everyone to help you. I gathered everyone around because I want to give the shear. Therefore, I'm not going to take advantage of having them here for you. I'm telling that they're not here for your services. Nowadays, that there were Ramoyim, there were people that were uh, uh, charlatans, unjust people. Nowadays, Chayshinan, so we are suspect that they're pulling shtick and we do give the summons for the show. It means like this, is that if somebody wanted to go to the city, to Pompadisa, for that, for that, for, 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 uh, for whatever reason. So he knew that if he stopped into the shear, 
that would protect him from getting the summons because they wouldn't give him the summons because he came for the shear. So all these people, all of a sudden, like the shear, instead of being a, a hundred people, they got a thousand people showing up at the shear. They realized people are using that as a ruse to get whatever they needed done in the city that they wouldn't get summoned. So nowadays, they will give the summons even for the people that are showing up at the rigla that are coming before the yontiv to hear the shear. Okay. Where can they just get them at home? They used to make sure that they're they're not where they should be. It was like it's hard to track them down. All right. So then we're like this. So Mishnah said that if the father left the Yarshim something and then depending on the Mishnah, uh, either they consumed it or uh, let's go with this other. So then they don't have to pay. So it says, but if there's something with Achrayus. Then they do. So we we had two different pshatim over here, but Rava's pshat was that it was karka. There was land, and on the land it created a lien. So therefore, even though it was consumed, there was a lien on the land. You can collect based on the lien of the land, based the father's land. But we had another pshat here, which is Rebbe, the way he taught from Shimon. He said we're not talking about land. Davish yesh means something that's clearly identifiable. I mean, if there's an item that was left to them by their father, that was clearly something that they people knew that this was the father was using this and it was stolen. They have to pay it back. They have to pay it back. They, 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 even if there's a Jewish and a Shino Shurus, they should still pay it back. Why? Because of the covet of their father. Because people are going to walk around saying that the father was a Ghanav. So that's what it's very. So Masnid Rabbi Rab Shimon Berei, Rabbi taught Rab Shimon his son, Lord Abish Yeshbah Krashma, it's not talking about actual karka, that's not the karka. Even if it's a cow, the Khorishba that the father used to use for plowing purposes, Khamar Donki, Machamar Akhrav, and he used to use it to schlep the packages. Shinon Lahazir, you still have to give it you still have to give it back. Technically you shouldn't have to. But but you have to give it back. Why? And because of the honor of the father. Rav Kahana the following question. Mita This is a couch that the father used to use to recline. Shulchan, or it's his table, indoor table, that he uses to, to eat upon. Ma, what's the din? Now, what's the base of Rav Kahana's question is, the items that you gave before are things that are used outside. The things that are used outside, so the father's usage is identified with him, and the general populace see it. But what about more pr- uh, private type usages? The person's table, the person's couch. So even though it's something identifiable with the father, but it's only identifiable with the father if you were uh, intimately associated with the father, if you were in ha- you went indoors. So in that case, would the din of covered aviv require that it be returned? So Amar Lai, so Rav told Rav Kahana, Tain l'chacham v'yachem oi. He said, one of the signs of a wise person is if you give him wisdom, he'll make himself even smarter. Now it's interesting, so what's the answer? So Rashi says, that means, so of course you have to give back the table, and of course you have to give back the couch. Meaning, based on the information you had, that I gave you, you should be able to also deduce that the table and the chair goes back. It's, it's not clear how Rashi knows that because Rav Kahana was making a, va- a valid uh, distinction between outdoors and indoors. It seems that Rashi's understanding what the Gemara is saying is the Indian of Kibbutz Av is not just how people perceive the father. Mm-hmm. 
But Pirs also is how they themselves, that's the most important thing, how you perceive your father. So if you know I'm using item, every time you use that item, it's like this is the family heirloom, the Zedo, this is what he stole from the person, you know, that's not the way to remember the father. So therefore, for sure the din of Kibbut Ab would apply in that particular situation. Okay, let's go on. Zagdali Mishnah. Now, ain't partin, you're not allowed to exchange money. So let's say you have you have a $20 bill and you want to get uh, $20 of coins. You're not allowed to go to, let me tell you this, I'm you're not allowed to go to the custom collectors. Belomi Kitschel Gaboy, and you're not allowed to go to the tax collectors and use their purse to exchange. Well, I just explained as the one is going to say later on that we're talking about these particular uh, types of um, uh, uh, work involved very often stealing from people. So the money that you're exchanging for is stolen money. Now, it's already interesting discussing it and showing him because that's it, because it's only, it must be a problem if it's before Yush. But even if it's, even if it's after Yush, some have shown him say, the fact is, after Yush is a B'dievit. Sometimes after Yush you can hold on to it. But it doesn't mean L'Chadchila, you can rely on going and getting stolen property because it's after Yush. That's not something L'Chadchila you should go ahead and do. They know the name Sedaka. Also, there's an interesting thing. It depends on those two turuts and the two pshatim. Is that uh, you want you don't you don't allow Sedaka to be given with something that potentially stolen. might be stolen property. The Meiri says an unbelievable insight. The Meiri says is that if you allow thieves to give stolen property, <laughs> they can view it as their expiation. You know, it's okay that I stole. You know. I gave tzedakah. You don't want to allow them to have that feeling, so you're not supposed to go ahead and do that. You know, so like that's how they say that, that the the the, uh, the the Vatican, you know, was like subsisted on on, on mafia money. You know, that was like the way you they they they, they used to actually used to hold the, and they, the the church used to allow for what was the it was a name they gave money. For paying off sins, there was an not arms. Absolutely, indulgences, indulgences. Right, that was the idea. Okay, you take a twenty. You know, that's that's the uh, you know the that's uh, there was a there was a uh, a, rub, a rabbi in Miami, yeah, that I uh, knew that he had a pushka on his table that anyone that used to come talk to him, if you use the curse word, you spoke appropriately, you had to put money in the pushka. So he told me, this guy came out, I was very upset, and gave him a 50 up front. Says, <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> anyway. All right, it says more like this. Uh, <laughs> However, these two people, if you go into their house to get change, or the guy happens to be buying stuff at the market using his personal stash, so there already, you, you don't have to say that everything the guy has is stolen. I mean, if it's specifically those, the, the, the form of, uh, his, his, the job that he does, it's his pushka from, then you have to assume it might be stolen, or there's a good chance it's stolen. But taking his personal funds, that does, you don't have to make that assumption. Zogmar Weitzer. Tana, we learned in the Brysa. What you are allowed to do, let's say, the guy is now zapping you. I mean, he's telling, he's coming to you and say, okay, listen, you've got to give $10 for customs. And you only have a 20 on you. So, says the Lord, we're not going to tell you, you know, give him the 20 and walk away. In such a case, you're allowed to take 10. Now, the Arishon, I think Tos was over here, says, that's only if you're not sure that it's stolen. But if you know 100% that it's stolen, so you're not allowed to take the change. It's, uh, all right. 
Umochsin. So Moshe is like, is one second. What is a mochus? A mochus is a uh, is a is a, is a um, what's that? The mechus is the customs. The customs collector. Customs collector is a government official. Says more. What happened to Shmuel's dinner? How much Shmuel's dinner? The machus dinner. The halacha is that if no matter what government you live in, there is established rules that it, it halachically required to follow the rules of the of the local government. It's very interesting. There's a Ron that discusses whether that's true in Eretz Yisrael, where they don't go according to halacha. Is it only out there? It's a big machlokas in the poskim. Where the din of machus and din applies even in Eretz Yisrael, when they're not doing halachic, they're not, not, not done based on halachic. But anyway, but the point is, so how can you over here uh, say, oh, you can't take change from it because it's stolen? When it's stolen, if the government, if the government official is appointed to do it, then it's not stolen property. This is going on the Mishnah, not on our Mishnah, Mishnah, yeah. Not what we just said. Yeah. So Amar Rav Chanina Bar Khan, Amar Shmuel, there's different types of custom collectors. Uh, he says Bemoches She'ein Lo Kitzvah. He says if you have a custom collector that does not have rates, means he just arbitrarily, you know, doesn't like the way one guy looks. Okay, you're gonna have to pay me fifty, and you know anyway. He says like that, but a person's doing that, he has violated his uh, his post, and when he violates his post. Then there's no responsibility of it. He's doing something illegal, and then what he has is stolen. Right? She ain't looking at means he has no set rates. The Bayer of Yana and Remochas are Omid Me'elov. That there's something called the Mochas Omid Me'elov. You have guys, you know, they're just having to be tough guys. Like you have to pay them, uh, you know, your protection money, right? So these aren't, that's not legal. And therefore that doesn't fall under the din of Dina the Mochas of Dina. Yeah, it might be in your, it might be in your best, uh, interest. To pay the guy, he's making an offer you can't refuse, but the money he has is stolen money, and that's the guy you can't change, take change from. It, now, so that's, this sugya asked the question, Dina Machus Dina, and we explained it, we're talking about Emochus, that's Enla Kitzvah, or Omen Me'elov. There's going to be three other sugyas in Shas, that the Gemara does the same question, and, get, and, and, and brings out the same point. Some taught it on the following teaching. This is actually a, 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 a Gemara in Mesechus Kalayim. A Mishnah in Mesechus, I mean a Mishnah in Mesechus Kalayim. Talks about that, that you're not allowed to wear wool and, and linen together. Now, the, 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 the customs, the way it worked there, if you wore it, you didn't get charged. If you carried it, you got charged. So obviously what people would try and do is put on as many begot him at one time so when they went through they would only charge what they're carrying not what they're wearing Shilas what if you haven't had something checked for shotness yet so it's got shotness in it can you put it on I'm not putting it on to keep myself warm I'm putting it on to defraud the customs right, that's the question over there at a Yiddish Shiloh says the person is not allowed to wear kilayim. Even if it's on tent garments, even and you're only wearing it, you're not doing it to get any benefit from it. You're doing it to uh, smuggle it away from the customs. So, and the Gemara brings down that that's the, that's the Mishnah in Kilayim. So what is Rabbi Akiva. Now that Mishnah doesn't follow Rabbi Akiva. The Sanyo. Because we learned in a brisa, uh, that that the Tanakhama holds like the Mishnah is that you're not allowed to uh, smuggle away <coughs> items to cheat from mechas if it has kilaim. And Rabbi Shimon, he says you're allowed to cheat the mechas because since you're not wearing it for the sake of getting benefit from the garment, you're only doing it to smuggle away from the mechas. You're allowed to do it. 
So now, you see, the only argument over there was, is because it's Kalayim, are you allowed to put it on to smuggle it away from the Mechas? But the concept of smuggling away from the Mechas, no one had any problems with. The only issue over there was if it's Kalayim. But to try and, de- and, 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 uh, so they customs that Tim D. Okay, Bishlom Malayin Kilayim. But how come if I understand they're arguing about Kilayim? The Mar Savar Darish Ein Miskaven. But if you don't intend to wear it as a beged, it's permissible to wear the Kilayim. Well, Mar Savar Tov Yekiva and Mar Savar Darish Ein Miskaven is Oser. But El Aveach Men Amechas Mishari. But but what about the underlying problem over here? That you're trying to cheat. You're trying to avoid paying the Mechas. And Shmuel said that Dina de Malchusa Dina, that is halacha, that the law of the land is law. So Amr Gachanina Barakana, Amr Shmuel, the Mochesh She'en Lekitzvah, and the Be'er of Yana, Amr Mochesh Ahmed Me'ela. So he had the same idea. It's either a, a Mechesh that is not doing anything with set rates, it's just arbitrary, which is in violation, which makes it, a, is it like a thief? Or, or it's a person that was a self-imposed customs officer. Again, same idea before. And some learned that we had it in Masechus Nadorim. The din is like this. If, one is going to say, let's say you have uh, people that are threatening to take away your items. So, the question over there is, what if you want to do, you want to make a neder to say that it's truma? Say it's, it's your produce. And you want to make, you don't really mean to make it netter that's truma because it's not really truma. The only reason you're making the netter that it's truma Avoid is because you figure that at least they have some kind of conscience and they're not going to want to take something that's truma that belongs to the Kohen. Or you make a netter that belongs to the king, that the king has a lien on it already, and then they're going to be afraid to touch it. Are you allowed to make such a netter? That's what the mission over there is dealing with. Because you're making a nether and it's a serious thing. But on the other hand, you're trying to, you know, for guilt makemen. So therefore, for you're trying to protect your, uh, you're trying to protect so, your money. So more is like this. Aha, on the following. No, Drin, you're allowed to make a nether The hargin is somebody that is, uh, has murderous intentions. Or lecharmin. Charmin are violent people that come and steal your stuff. And for the customs collector that wants to charge you or take away something that you own. Shehishel Truma, you're allowed to make a net that it belongs, that it belongs to the Kohanim, it's Truma, or Shehishel belongs to the king. Even though it's not really Truma, even though it doesn't really belong to the king. Says the Gemara, what do you mean, Lamochsen? I understand the first two. The first two are robbers. Right, one one guy is uh, suspected of murder. The other one is is a, is a violent robber. But but the mochas is a customs collector. Where it says Vamar Shmuel Dina de Machusa Dina, what happened to that? Samra Chanini Barkana Mershmuel is Mamochas and Lakits for the Bay Rabiana Amri Mamochas Omed Meela. We're talking about they're not doing it in a just manner, and therefore there is no Dina Dina Machus under that circumstance. Ravashi Amar Bemochas Kanani. Now this opens up a can of worms. He says it's talking about a mochas that is a kananim. Many Rishonim learn what it means is that it, the kananim themselves were known. What they would do, they would overcharge on the on the on on, on the customs or on the tax collectors, and they would skim off the top. So even though they were appointed by the king, but since they were doing that, so then it, they lost their legitimacy. And they were not protected anymore under the Dina the Machusadina, which is why you could try evade having to pay them. That means a Knani, it doesn't mean just because it's a guy, it doesn't mean that. It means that the Knani specifically were notorious 
for doing it in an illegal manner. The Sani will learn in a Brisa Yisroel Knani Onos din. You have a Yisroel and a Knani that has a reputation of being an Anas. An Anas is a violent person, a criminal. So you have a seasoned criminal who is a Knani, even though we don't know necessarily that he stole in this particular case. However, as we've shown him speak out, that this guy is, that's what he makes a living on. He makes a living of stealing. And he's there with a Yisrael and in court. And obviously it's a Jewish court. If, according to Jewish law, you can get the Yisrael off the hook, then you have a, a, a responsibility to do that. Get him off the hook with a Jewish sock. And you tell the Knani that this is, this is the, you're in a Jewish court, this is the way we paskin. But if in a Jewish court, Jewish law would not have got him off the hook, but Knani law would have exempted him. So Zakeo, the Jewish court, can rule based on Knani law. This is, we're doing this, so you're a Knani, we're doing this to accommodate you, and in, Jew, and in Knani law, you have no right. The Imlav, let's say you can't get him off the hook in either way. So it seems to be that the Knani himself has a valid Taina. Boy in Allah Ba'akifin, dear Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel says we can deal underhandedly with him. We can pull stick to make him lose the case, even though technically we don't have a legitimate way of doing it. Rabbi Akiva Omra, ain't boy in Allah Ba'akifin, bin Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem is using over there a uh, a euphemism, but we don't allow you to do something underhanded because if he figures out that that's what you did, it's going to create a big chil Hashem, and we have to be war- wary of the chil Hashem. So, so when, when are you allowed, and when you're not allowed here? I'm confused. So, but bottom, bottom line, it says over here is that technically, as the point is going to be, you technically should be allowed to do it. However, we don't allow you to do it because of. The only reason holding you back would be is the Kiddush is the Hashem concept. You would be allowed to deal with him in an unjust or an underhanded way. We have no proof that, he, that, that right now he should be losing in court. And now you're making him lose. You're stealing his money. Since when are you allowed to steal from a Knani? These are very Yisodas of Gemaras. The Me'iri brings down that nowadays where the Goyim are much more cultured and they have, they have rules and laws. So many of the, the laws that imply that you're allowed to do things to Knani don't apply. Anyway, but the more is asking even back then. Knani is Asur. himself was the one that said it's also. How could he say the only problem is because of Chil Hashem over here? It could be an odd because it's Gezel Akum. Where do we see that Rabbi Akiva said it? It says like this. Rabbi Akiva Keshabah Me'zaf Zafirin. Zafirin was the name of a place. On his way back from this place called Zafirin, he said, Menayin L'Gezel K'nani Nishahu Oser. Where do we know that Gezel K'nani is Oser? So in one it says over there that if a person violates the laws of Shemitah, and he sells Peiro Shmita, he's going to lose all his money, and he's going to end up being an Ebed. Not only will he be an Ebed to a Jew, 
but he's going to end up being in such a hard shape that it's going to even be an evet to a, he's going to become an evet to a gertoshav. Gertoshav, Rashi says, somebody that keeps eye mitzvahs and he also doesn't do avodah and he keeps kosher. He doesn't eat nevelas. Interesting, Rashi learns. And if he, and not only that, it's going to get so bad that if he doesn't do tshuva, he's going to end up being sold to an outright oivet kechavim. And not only that, he's going to end up serving, uh, being like the, the floor cleaners, the window cleaners, the wood choppers, in a place where they actually serve idols. That's the, that's the, 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 the posseg. It's a posseg in, in, in Dvarim. So it says over there that Achre Nimkar, now, when he is sold, the posseg says over there that when he is sold to a non-Jew, his family have a responsibility to be po to him, to pay off his debts, to take him away, to pay off and, and take him back from the guy. You should not leave him because he's not going to be able to keep mitzvahs there. So, after you're sold, the Yarshim have to try and redeem him. Now, what is the point? What is the post? It says, So, more Darshans, that means, you're not allowed to forcibly take him out. You have to pay. Why do you have to pay? Why can't you just if you have the ability, power, you have the power, take him f- physically away from the uh, from the guy. Must be what? Because that's stealing. It's also the more it brings down. If there is a custom, you're not allowed to steal from a guy. So therefore, now yachal yiglam alav. Yiglam means that lashon doesn't sound like a goylem. It means that you're allowed. You're, don't, but you can't make yourself narish. You can't make it yourself. Don't let him take advantage of you. I mean, when you pay, you need to pay what what is worth. Don't let the, uh, the, 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 the guy overcharge you, take advantage. And how do you know that? You have to make the calculations with the one that acquired him, and you have to work out exactly what the right is. That's what you have to pay. Don't let him take advantage of you. Yedaktik im kuneyu means you have to be precise with the amount that he's owed. I'm Rabbi Yosef. Kasha, though, Kasha is, and how could Rabbi Akiva say that the only reason that this Knani and based in you can't deal with underhandedly is because of Chil Hashem? What about the fact that it's stealing? And he says over here that Rabbi Akiva himself wrote a postage that you can't steal from a guy. Someone says, like Kasha, not difficult. Habe Knani, Habe Gertoshev. The postage is talking about where you have to pay and you can't take away forcefully is when he's by a Gertoshev. There you have to pay. But if it's an Ivet Kechavim, then you could take it away, and that's where the case, the case in based in was a Knani was an Eivikachavim. So therefore, other than Chil Hashem, there'd be no problem. So I'm like Abaya. Abaya said that's not a good terence. He says it's to his Rebbe Rabbi Yosef because the pasuk is talking about multiple scenarios. Yeah, one is that he was taken by an by a Gertaisha, but continue reading the pasuk. The pasuk says, and then from a Gertaisha is going to go to a complete uh, to a guy, and from there he's going to start working for a place of other. The pasuk's talking about even when he's not only sold to a Gertaisha, so you can't. Say it's only also when it's a Gertayshav. The Bosik's talking about other scenarios too. So Amalea Baya, Vahatravayu Gabehadodik Siv. Both scenarios are put next to each other. Lo Lecha says that he won't only be sold to a Jew, El Lager, but he will be sold then to a Ger, Shanemar Lager. And not only to a Ger Tzedek, the little Ger Tzedek, even will be a Ger Tayshav. Shanemar, the Pazuk says, it won't just be a regular Ger, that the person's gonna be sold because of Averus to a Ger Tayshav. And then it says, Mishpachas Ger. And then it says, and from the, from the Ger, he'll be sold to the family of the Ger. Now, who are the family of the Ger? Oh, and Geshua, I'm a Ola Eker, 
Eker mishpachas ger. What's eker? Eker means up something that we want uprooted. But what is it? Zanim kavodes gachami. He'll be sold to be doing menial services in a place where they worship idols. But you see, the pasuk is telling you even by that that you can't steal, that you can't forcibly take him away, that you have to pay. He's even by an oivet gachavim. So we're back to our question. So el amar rava lo kasha kan be gazlin kan be akah afkos halva also. Rava wants to make a distinction. He wants to say is. To physically take away mammon from a guy, you're not allowed to do. And that's what the Pesach is referring to. What you are allowed to do is that if there's a loan, outstanding money, you're allowed to mafkir the loan. You're allowed to default on the loan. Meaning, technically, the case in Basin was a default on a loan. You would have been allowed to do it. The only reason you're not allowed to do it, because if he realizes that you're doing it, it's going to create a chil Hashem. But the din deraisa of not paying something that you owe, that, that's not a problem. Hafkos alva also, to default on an existing loan of what you owe, that's not considered to be a violation by an Ovid Kuchovim. The only thing that's in a violation by Ovid Kuchovim is actually taking away something that he actually has. So Abaya says that doesn't fit because where do we say we learn out that we learn out that you can't cheat in Ovid Kuchovim? We learn out from where he purchases an Evid Ivri. Now an Evid Ivri that when he when he purchases a Jew. Now when he purchases a Jew, the Jew is paying off debts. So therefore, when you forcefully take him away. That would not be considered exela. That would be considered being mafkia, a halva. And even there it's considered to be osir. So when it says, Amalei Abaya Evet Ivri, Avkos halva osahu, isn't that considered defaulting on an outstanding debt, outstanding loan? So when it says, Rav Latamei, Amal Rav Evet Ivri, Gufa Konar. Rav is Lashitosa, because Rav holds that when you own an Evet Ivri, you actually own, you own a piece of him. Since you own a piece of him, you own him. Not just what he's not just paying off a loan, but you own him. If you own him, then taking the Evet Ivri away from the Evet Yochavim would be considered not just uh, defaulting on a loan, but it would be considered actually taking exile. Amar Abibi Bar Gidel, Amar Shimon Chasida, Gezel Knani Oser to steal directly from a guy is Oser Avedosim Muteres. But if you find an Aveda of an Evet Yochavim. So there would be no problem in, in pocketing that. Gzela osur that gezel is osur the Amar Ravuna like Ravuna said we all, we just had a pasuk before that shows it, but here's a different pasuk. Minayin legezel knani shu osur how you know that gezel of an avikuchavim is osur shenemar vaachalta es kala amim Hashem says that I will let you consume that which belongs to all the nations. Hashem lekecha noisin loch. When can you take from them without having to pay for it? When Hashem hands them over to you. When they pass the hand over to you. But otherwise, but not when they're not. Just to go over and take it away. When Hashem is not giving them to you, you can't take their things. So you see it's Oster. Now, how do you know that the Aveda is Mutter? How do you know that the Aveda of a Kanani is permissible? Because the Pazik says, who do you have to give back? It says, that whenever you find your brother's item, you have to return. It's much more, who do you have to return? Your brother has to give back. But yet, you don't have to give back to a Knani. Says the Gemara, maybe you only don't have to give back to the Knani if 
you never picked it up. means you're not obligated to pick it up and give it back to him. But who says you're allowed to pick it up and keep it? Maybe there's no chiva, shavas aved, if it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have, that, that you, yeah, that you, you, if you don't pick it up, then leave it. But once you picked it up, maybe you have to give it back. Someone says no. Because the Pasuk that talks about giving it back to your brother says like this. It says, That any of your brother's things that you will find, that you'll find. Matsasa is mashma, you already picked it up. So therefore, it's saying is, when do you have to give it back to your brother? When you pick it up. But to the Ayyavet Kechavim, even after you picked it up, you don't have to give it back. Someone says no. Someone says no. Someone says the Kasha. The Ema, perhaps, you should say that only when it never entered your hands, you don't have to give you don't have to go looking for the God to come to give it back. You did pick it up. Maybe you have to give it, then your mom and have to give it back. The Pazik says that when you have to give it back to your brother, when you picked it up. So that's the Pazik telling you that you have to give it back to your brother. But it's Mashmah that he's not your brother, and you picked it up already. You can keep it. So they have the other, the other mashma, it's mashma where you already picked it up. Tanya will learn in the bride, so Pinchas has been Yoyer Oymer. But Mokim Shiesh Chil Hashem, I feel Avedosa Osser. We learned yesterday is that Avedas Akum, that a, a lost object that is clearly belongs to areas, a non Jewish neighborhood, an area where you clearly belongs to a guy who lost it, there's no Chiv Hashavas Aveda. So he says that's only true. If it will not in, uh, involve Chil Hashem, but if people people see that you found it and not even making an attempt to return it, and it might, and I guess that's been an area where the norm is to try at least, you know, put up a uh, lost and found or whatever it is, and they would say, oh, because it's a go, you're not giving back, we create a Chil Hashem. So then, even Avedis Akum, you're a to try and find the owner. Amar Shmuel, Ta'usa Muteris, what Ari was saying is, is that even if you say that Gezel Akram is Osir, and even if you say Avedis Osir, Avedis but, but when it's a mistake that the Goy makes, right, so in such a case, you're allowed to capitalize on the mistake of an Ovid Kuchavim. Ki Shmuel, Zavan Mikusi, he purchased from a Kusi, these Gemaras have all been censored, by the way, but, uh, but it's from the Ovid Kuchavim, Lekana de Dava, a gold basin, the Mar de Parzula, under the guise that it was bronze or what's copper, meaning that the Ovid was advertising the selling a copper basin. Shmuel realized that that's not copper, that is gold. But he he believes it's copper. That's his problem. We can we can we can we can. Uh, I give him I'll give him the pricing of copper. Now, Bedalit Zuzi. He sold it for Zuz, the Ivla Lechad Zuzo. Now, Rashi brings down two Pshotim, but let's go with the one that, that that's, uh, Rashi says he prefers. What he did was, he swallowed an extra Zuz into it, meaning he made it, he gave five. Now, the way I understand the Gemara is like this, is that the Ayvah Kechavim is excited about the fact that he's getting the extra Zuz so, uh, at the end of the day, he wasn't necessarily focusing on the fact that, you know, that the mistake is coming on his end. And it's like it's, uh, I guess there could be different understandings of why he threw in the extra Zeus, but that's, that's what I understand he was doing. He had a situation where Nebuchadnezzar was selling, he, uh, he wanted to sell, uh, uh, 
he wanted to sell, he wanted to buy from him a uh, hundred barrels. And the other said, by that corner is the hundred barrels. And he does a quick look, and there's 120 over there. Not a hundred. So, again, he gave him one extra zuz, and Amrale, and he said to him, I'm not going to bother counting them. If you tell me there's a hundred, I trust you there's a hundred. Now, there actually were 120. But again, it's Tos Akum. It's not Xelus Akum because it's a mistake. It's like Ari saying, like giving you back too much change. It's that, that same kind of thing. So therefore, Amrale, Chazi, Samichno, see that I'm relying upon you. Right? That, it was doing that because this way, you cheated me, or whatever it is. What are you talking about? You, I relied on your count that there was a, again, he knocked, he gave in an extra Zuz. I think the same idea. It's like, the focus is not on the merchandise now. His focus is on the fact that he's getting an extra, you know, he, he sees himself as getting the extra perk. Ravina Zavan Dikla Huvakusi Litsalcha. He went into partnership with a Kusi, and the idea was that they were going to have this palm tree chopped down, cut into sections, and they would split the sections. Now, it happens to be that the lower part of a palm tree is wider than the upper part. But he knew that maybe this guy was a little unsophisticated in business, or whatever it is, that the fellow just would divide based on the segments and would not recognize the fact that there's a difference between what part of the tree the same. So he told his, uh, he told his shamas quickly, go and make sure that the part that we get are closer to the base of the palm tree. The kusi minyana yada, the kusi goes just by the number, ten segments, five, five and five. He'll be happy that way. I, it's stickle misleading, but it's tos akum, that was okay. Ravashi was walking on the way. He saw that there was a uh, a a vine from a uh, that was hanging from an orchard. Hanging from it was a cluster of grapes. Now, just to give you the outside story over here, the way Tosus explains this, is that Ravashi knew that if it was Jewish-owned orchard, they would never let him pay. And therefore, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to get a freebie. But it was an Ovechukhavim's owned thing. They wouldn't give it from free. He would have to pay. So what he told his shamus was, go check if it's an Ovechukhavim's orchard, then you could get it for me. The Ovechukhavim sitting there thought that we're saying basically is, Oh, it's okay, you can go, and if it's a Jewish-owned one, then you're not taking it, then that's okay. But if it's a, a non-Jewish one, then it's okay to steal from. So then Rosh explained, no, what I meant was that I'm going to pay for it. I just know that by a Jewish one, they won't let me pay, and I don't want it if they're not going to let me pay. From the Obed-Gurchavim is, so therefore that's, again, because this is not, a, this is not Tos Akum. This wouldn't be a mistake. This would be Exalus Akum, which we said before was not appropriate. Amr Leilishmar, so he told his shamas, Zil Chazi, go take a look. Eat the kusinino, if it belongs to an Ovid Gechavim, I see, then you can bring it. Eat Yisrael, if it belongs to an Ovid Gechavim, lo I see, then don't bring it. Lo I see, don't bring it. Shama Hukusi, to have a Yossi Bepardesa. So the Ovid Gechavim that was sitting in the orchard, I guess the owner of the orchard, said, Amr Leil, the kusi, show you what, it's okay to steal from the Ovid Gechavim. Amale, he says, no, that's not what I meant. Kusi shakil me. I know that if it's an Ovechavim, he will charge me. I have no problem paying for it. Yisrael shakil me, and I don't want a freebie. He's not going to charge me, and I don't want to get it for free. 
Okay, Gufa. This itself we mentioned yesterday a number of times. Amr Shmuel, Dina de Malchusa Dina, that a Jew that's living under a foreign government and there are governmental rules and regulations, halachically he is required to follow the governmental regulations and rules. Amar Rava. So Rava said like this, I'll prove it to you. The Katli Dikli, the Gashi Gishri, is that the that there's I guess right of eminent domain, but governments they that we live in don't ask any cheshbon. If they want to build a bridge, they come down, they cut out trees, they cut trees down indiscriminately, and they build bridges. So now those bridges, lechora, is on land that was appropriated by the government without paying for it, and yet. The Avrin and Alayu, we use them, we walk across them. If it was stolen property, then what? Yeah, we wouldn't be allowed to benefit from it. It must be that they have, since the law of the land, they have what it's called, whatever it's right of eminent domain, domain, even though, what's that? Eminent, eminent, domain. eminent domain. Today you have it here also. They can build, a, they can extend the 105, Free they way. want to build it through one, you know, they can do it. But today I think they have to pay, they have to pay you or whatever it is. Right? They have to pay a yeah. fair market. But back then, you know the fair market price with you that you let you live. So the point is that that uh, that that you you know, but and we use it. So therefore, it must be that it was that it's okay. So Amalei Abaya, how do you know? Maybe it is Gzeila, but Maybe the reason we're allowed to use it because the owners are Mayayish, and if they're Mayayish, so therefore that, that there's no more that you can benefit from it. The owners. Amalei, ilo dina de dina. If it wasn't for the concept that it must be legally, halachically okay, because of dina machusa dina, so Rashi learns. Then how would it be yush? I mean, it wouldn't be sufficient because all you would have is the yush alone. And we pass and the yush alone is insignificant. Rashi right? says no shini rishus because it's all in rishus It's not like a third party has acquired. Therefore, it would be prohibited to benefit from it. If all there was, there was the Yush. Must be, it's not that all there is is the Yush. It must be that legally it's okay. Why is it legally okay? Dino Vachus Dino. Alright. Fahaloi Ka Abdi. Fahaloi Ka Abdi. Says more, asks a question like this. That Lechora, you're telling me that it's Dino Vachus Dino, but it's not really Dino Vachus Dino. Because the, the vendors, who are following governmental edict, right? That's what's happening. Over the, the, the king himself is not coming and chopping down the trees. He's giving permission for someone to chop it down. But the king, this instruction usually works like this. Let's say you have, you have ten valleys under the king's uh, jurisdiction. So he'll say that you can build the bridges from the wood that you're taking, you're garnishing from the ten valleys. But what would happen was these vendors were lazy, and instead of spreading it around and taking it from all ten valleys, what they would do is they would focus only on one valley and then appropriate the uh, the wood from one area. So it says that they're not following the edict of the king, and if they're not following the edict of the king, then it doesn't fall; it should not fall under the guise of Dinamachusadina. If it doesn't fall under the guise of Dinamachusadina, then Shvigzela. We shouldn't be using those. Those. Uh, that's that's the question. These uh, either agents of the king, the vendors, are not following the king's edict because Malka Amar Zilu Bagi go and take it from. 
all of the valleys go equally uh, uh, spread out the the appropriation of the of the wood. But they, because they're lazy, they just go to only one of these valleys. Someone said that's not a kasha. Because Shlugudamalka Because the agents of the king are like the king. And the king himself, if he were to do it, do you think he would spend time going and collecting from all ten valleys? The no, that's a lot of work. He would focus on one. So what does he mean? Spread it around. Spread it around. What he means is that the financial responsibility falls on, let's say, all ten valleys. Which means that if you went and collected all the wood from one, then that one valley would have recourse to do what? To go collect from the other nine. If they don't bother doing it, then they, then it's them losing the money themselves. But this is not considered in violation of the edict, because the agent of the king is like the king, and the king would do it this way. Therefore, they're allowed to do it that way as well. So when it says, Shluvah Malka Kamalka, the agents of the king are like the king. The light Tarach, and he would not be Matriach, would not bother himself to go collect from all ten valleys. The Inu, and the, the, uh, those who are, uh, the, the, suffering the, the brunt of having it all collected from them, they're causing themselves the loss. Why? They should have gone and collected from the rest of the valleys and, and recouped the money for nine-tenths of the project that was all taken from them. But it is under the, um, still falls under the umbrella of Dinamachusadina and therefore it's not a, considered a gazel to use those bridges. Amarova, Mandid Mishtakach Bevei Dari. Let's say like this, the, the, the king's tax collectors come. So the way they would work it is that you have this, you have this large section of, of, of field that, let's say, that grows grain. And they make the assessment, okay, there's five acres here, based on our calculations of grain. There has to be a, a, a wheat tax has to be paid of, uh, of, of, of $10,000. So what they do is they go to the granary that's attached to that, that field, and then they, whoever happens to be there, they're going to appropriate ten thousand dollars worth of grain from him. Now what happens? And we're discussing a situation that let's say that there was a joint ownership of this field, and let's say there were ten partners. Nine of them already used the granary, and already have taken their ground wheat home. Nebuch, the one guy that's left, happens to be there when the uh, tax collectors come. So he said, one second, I only, I only want, only want, they don't listen to that. What they'll do is they'll take all 10,000 from his grain. The question right now is, is he have a right to demand compensation of the 9,000 balance that he could say, I only, my stuff would have only cost a thousand dollars taxes. The reason it's ten is because of the nine tenths of the land that you guys benefited from. So he said, yes, that is, that is the rule. So he says, Samanda Mishtaka Dari. So the one who's found at the granary, means the number ten guy, he's at the granary, Para Manasa de Malka. He, if he, uh, he, he is, uh, has, it's legal for them to require that he pay the portion, the tax portion of the king. Which means that it's not considered to be gzela. If they would collect the $10,000 from him and it would be gzela, then the halachas would be, no one's allowed to purchase from that guy. And not only that, he would not have recourse 
to go to the other nine because it, it's a theft. But it's not a theft. It's legal. It's within Dina de Malchusadina. But Animila Shutva. But it's only if actually they're partners in the field. Let's say that this Nebuch, this, the Shlomazel who gets stuck, he's not the owner. He's the, the sharecropper. Now the way sharecroppers work, they work either on a percentage, they work on a salary paid in the grain. So he's there with his percentage working the granary. The owner's already worked through, and now the tax collectors show up, and they don't want to go, you're a sharecropper, the bottom line is this field owes us 10 grand, and they uh, take from him, that would be a misappropriation, because the bottom line is, he is not required to kick in the other $9,000, because he's not partners over here, and therefore, if they would collect the $10,000 from him, it would be considered to be Xela, it never had hurts him, because he has no recourse now going back to the other, to the owners, because they say, one second, that you know, they should have come to us if they wanted. And nobody else is allowed to buy from the mochus, from the tax collector. No one would be allowed to purchase because we consider to be purchasing stolen property. Aval Ariso, but it would be a sharecropper, Arisuse Hudakamapik. He is taking the sharecropper's portion, he is taking as payment, which would be illegal because that would not be a right to tax the sharecropper for the owner of the land. You can't do that. So the real victim is actually the sharecropper. Sharecropper gets nailed. Boss. No, the sure. boss walks away without paying taxes. <laughs> the, uh, the boss, it, it, now his, you, you his, 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 his land tax was paid by the sharecropper. All right. Vama Rava. Rava says like this. Rava's going to say, let me tell you the Allah outside. Rava's going to say is that sometimes when the tax collectors would come and they knock on the door Say, okay, Yechaim Yankel owes us $10,000 for taxes for the year, based on his business, based on, we'll see, a head tax, or it's a land tax, whatever it is. Chaim Yankel's not there, so then they go to, to, uh, to, to, to Beryl, next door neighbor, they will knock on his door, and his home, they would take a collateral. They would take collateral from this neighbor, and say, basically, is that when he pays, <laughs> Then you get back your collateral. And the one is going to say that that is legal. <clears throat> that is legal. Because if they both live in the same city, the king has... That's the way this, it was set up. The system was set up. Is that the city is... Each member is responsible to ensure the other guy pays his taxes. Can you imagine that would happen today? <laughs> it's legal so anyway, because of the dinner de That's the dinner de That's the way it was set up. It, was set up. it would not be legal for them to collect taxes for the neighbor, but to induce that the neighbor should make sure that his neighbor pays the taxes, that was considered to be a legal setup. Okay. So, Amar Rovo. Bar Mosso, Abar Mosso, Me'avet. That one city, mem- one city inhabitant, for another city inhabitant, Me'avet, you can take, the, 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 the tax collector can take a collateral. Vahani Mili, and this is only for the following things. The Burla Ara, that's a land tax. It was a tax that was given that was like a, a land, uh, right, a property tax. The cargo, cargo is like it's a head tax. I don't know if it's like an income tax, but it was, that, it was more than that. It was like you paid per person of the household. It was a certain tax that like you had a right, the king, you had a right to live in the king's 
under jurisdiction if you paid a certain tax per person. So the per person tax and for the land tax, this was considered to be uh, permissible. Like chatzis shekel would be a head tax. Chatzis shekel is a head tax to a certain extent, right? Like, but this is not. We're not talking about chatzis shekel. We're talking about a tzunavik kechovim king. Now, the uh, the 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 is going to point out something very interesting. Look, look, look. Let me say this outside. The way this worked, the king, the king had these agents who did it for them. Now, the king ensuring if you agent like you know in a communist regime, you do the minimum amount. He wanted to make it worth the while of people doing it, because then it would increase the capacity of ensuring that it would happen. But the way it worked is like this. So you, people bidded for the right to collect the king's tax. Right? And, this was the, and therefore, the, he went to the highest bidder. People paid, and therefore, they paid a right, but they also, they, they, they got a benefit from it. That's well, what they would get. And the benefit was yeah. what? They got, they got a percentage, they got a piece of the action, they got a, you know, they got a, they got a piece of the action, they got, there was a way, there was a, there was a percentage that was worked out that they would be able to collect. Now, the thing is as follows. The way it worked is, the king gave you, let's say it was, what was, was last year, it was 1516, right? So the way it worked is, the king would say up front, beginning of the year, okay, my expectation is based on my numbers is I need to be receiving a million dollars worth of taxes from city A. Who wants to bid on it? Now the bottom line is that they had to, at the end of the year, come up with a million dollars. That's the saying is, well, half the people weren't home or they lost their business. That, that was a, that was a deal. I mean, a you, so you assumed the risk. Now what would happen is, that once you paid up, the, you, you, you would come the end of the year, the king doesn't want any chishboyness, you would have to write him a check for a million dollars. But what would happen often is that they didn't get to get to everybody. Half the people were away, so what they would do is then in 1617, to recoup the money they already paid the king, they would still go back to people to say, you never paid your 1516 taxes, all right? That you you evaded taxes, you were able to get it, you, and therefore I'm now going to recoup. And the, uh, now, but in such a case, then the vendor would not be allowed to take a a a, a, a collateral or a, a mashkon from one neighbor on the other, because the only time he's allowed to do that is representing the king. So when you're representing the king, that's part of the dina of the Malchus Adina. Now, it's not a question of representing the king. Now he's collecting for himself. In such a case, you find the guy, you can make the guy pay. But you cannot make the neighbor give a mashkon for the other fellow. Right? Clear? <laughs> okay. So Gemara says like this. So says the Gemara, so it's only if it's the burla ara, it's the land, it's the land tax, property tax, the karga, and the, and the head tax, the high shata of that Thank particular you. year. But if it's last year's taxes, the king has already been at peace. That means the king already got his action. You're no longer representing the king anymore when you're coming. So that's already passed on. The dinner machutza in terms of that, that's already gone. And therefore, there you would not be able to make one person have to take a ladder for one person in order to pay for the other. There are people that used to, uh, they, their job was, they had animals, and they would go over to a landowner or farm and say, listen, you, you want to spruce up your crop for this particular year, I am in the fertilizing business. What he would do is, you would pay the guy a certain amount of money, and he basically would bring his animals and create a pen there that these animals would self-fertilize 
the area for a certain given amount of time, and then basically you would take them to the next field, and that's a, so. So it's like a, a, it was it was a, a a mobile fertilizing company. Now the halacha is, as the Gemara, you're not allowed to purchase animals from them. Why weren't you allowed to purchase animals from them? Because what was common was if, if animals, and a behemoth is a behemoth, right? So if animals see that there's a hundred animals cooped up in one area, what happens? Other animals are naturally drawn to the group. And very often within his group of animals would be animals that did not belong to him. And he didn't care. So therefore, but you can't purchase from him because you might be purchasing animals that belong to another yid from the area. And therefore, so within the city, if he was within the city doing his fertilizing business in the city, you weren't allowed to purchase from him. If it's outside of the tchum, person owned land outside of the tchum, so then you were because the chances are that from if, that animals wouldn't stray or wander off outside the tchum that belong to someone else and then you would be allowed to purchase from him. That's what the Gemara is going to say. So I need to diary diary these fertilizers. That if you want to purchase from them it, and uh, animals and they're working within the city boundaries then you're not allowed to purchase from them. My time, what's the reason? Because mixed in to their animals are animals that belong to other people from the city. But if they're working outside of the tchum, then you're allowed to purchase from them. Because then we say that they don't have other animals mixed in there. However, if you are aware that there happens to be people in the city that are claiming against them, running after them, saying, hey, you guys have my animals, so you hear that there are people that are claiming that they have them, and then even if it's outside of the tchum, you're not allowed to purchase from them. Mach is Rava. Rava announced the Itam Ravuna. They made the following announcement. The Salkin also tremendous halachic here. The Salkin Le'ela for those who go up from Babel to Eretz Yisrael, or the Nachtin Le'Tosel, those who go down from Eretz Yisrael to Babel. High Bar Yisrael the Yodas Adusa Lekusi. That if there is a Jew that is aware of testimony that would possibly help an Ovet Kechavim. Now this gra takes out these three words and it makes a big difference. We're going to read it in and you'll see why. Below Tavu Minei and he was not summoned to court. <coughs> the gra takes it out. The gra says it makes no difference whether you're summoned or you're not summoned. It means you're not summoned to court. So basically you're being summoned to a Gentile court in a case where there's an Ovid Kuchavim litigating against a Yid, and you have potential testimony that might <laughs> assist the Ovid Kuchavim, says, and you go and testify for the Ovid Kuchavim, in the matters of a, of a court, that uh, 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 laws that are are a against a Jew chavre meshamtinan le we are uh, we will we will put him in cherem. Now the Gemara is going to say that this that there's a caveat that this is only true if it's under a circumstance where a Jewish court would not convict with the same testimony, but in case of an Ovid Kuchavin court 
wood. Then you are not allowed to offer that testimony. But if it was a situation that both in a Jewish court and in a non-Jewish court, they would have convicted either way, then there's nothing wrong with offering that testimony. So one says like this, My time, what is the reason that we are not happy with that, that you are, uh, that you, that, 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 that you are, what's his name? That you're testifying. Because in a non-Jewish court, they will, uh, extract money from the, de- from the, from the defendant with only one testimony, with only one witness. Below, alright, but in a Jewish court, that one testimony would not have been sufficient. Below, I'm an Chad. That's so it's only a problem if it's one. But let's say there are two of you, or there already is an existing testimony. So you're going to make up witness number two, right? So Ella Chad, above the tray, loy, then there would be no problem testifying, because even in a Jewish court, two testimonies, two witnesses would be sufficient. And also, it's only a problem with one. If it's like a uh, the, the village court, the village court, right? It says was was an an ignorant court. They did not know. They did not know all of the laws, and therefore, the chances are they would not follow and do things correctly. So it's only a problem testifying in the village court because that's also where they used one testimony uh, to to uh, to to extract money. But if it's a governmental court, it was much more sophisticated in the big city court over there. With one testimony, they also never extracted the money. They only used it to elicit an oath from the defendant, which is what the, what, what the Torah court does as well. So therefore, if you're being, if, again, going to get depends on the gears of the growth, but you're being summoned or you're not being summoned, but to go to a governmental court where your testimony will not be used to extract money that most it will only be used to extract an oath so under such circumstances no problem Amravashi Kiavina Bey Rav Huna when I was at the yeshiva of Rav Huna Iboyalon we raised the following Shiloh the following Shiloh was raised Adam Choshuv let's say you have a prominent Jewish man, prominent, people know him very well. Right? People know his, of his prominence, he's considered a Khashiv guy. The Samchi Aleik Bay Trey, that, that they would, even the governmental courts, would not just use him to elicit an oath, but they actually would use him to collect money with. So because, they use Based on his testimony, they will collect the money, which in a Jewish court they would not. But what's the issue over here? Therefore, should he not testify? Because then already they're going to use his testimony to collect money, which is not halachically correct. Since he is an Adam, a prominent person, an Adam Choshev, he's not going to be able to slip away and not testify. And therefore, they will know that if he is not testifying, they're going to say, you know why he's not testifying? Because it's not a, not a Jewish court. And that will create a Chil Hashem. Mm-hmm. So you have a Chil Hashem factor over here. So Matzila Asuda, and therefore he should be allowed to testify to avoid the Chil Hashem. That was the Shiloh that was raised. And was just take, and was an unresolved.